Hey there, it's Jim Stengel, host of the CMO Podcast. We're all marketers here, so let's be real for a sec. We all know that your website shouldn't be a static asset. It should be a dynamic part of your strategy to build your brand and drive conversions. That's Marketing 101. But 54% of marketing leaders say web updates take too long. That's over half of you listening right now. And that's where Webflow comes in. Their visual-first platform allows you to build, launch, and optimize web pages fast. That means you can set ambitious marketing goals and your site can rise to that challenge. Learn why teams like Dropbox, IDEO, and Orange Theory all trust Webflow to achieve their most ambitious goals today at webflow.com. Want to drive greater success in social commerce? With Deloitte's latest creator economy research, you can. After surveying over 500 creators and 500 brands, our insights are helping CMOs and marketing teams harness the power of content creators. And not only that, but how to do it well. See for yourself by visiting cmo.deloitte.com today. So what's the first brand that you can remember way back in your childhood having an impact on you? I think the first brand, or in fact, the first product that I remember really well was um, Reebok pumps. I remember getting them. They were white and they had blue and, and orange and the pump. And this was, I guess this was the start of my obsession with products. But I just remember putting them on and like pumping them and then releasing them, pumping them and releasing them. And you could like hear the sound of it hissing out. And then obviously, as many people did, I pumped it so much that one day it burst. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jim Stengel, and I help major brands find their purpose and activate it. And the profits follow. For seven years, I was the global marketing officer for Procter & Gamble, where I oversaw the marketing of hundreds of brands. You may not know it, but the CMOs, the chief marketing officers of all of your favorite brands, are trying to connect you with your favorite products and services through purpose. And on this show, I delve into how they do it. On today's episode of the CMO Podcast, I'm talking with Josh Dean. He's the CMO of Swell, the water bottle company. But what you'll hear in this podcast is how they're thinking way beyond the bottle. He talks as well as I've ever heard any CMO talk about purpose and the power that we'll have in energizing the company to make a bigger impact in the world. You will hear some amazing and actually scary statistics about how much plastic waste we all generate and how this company, Swell, is trying to make an impact on ending that. Here's my conversation with an Englishman, Josh Dean. Josh, thank you for my swell bottle. I just received a gift for the listeners because I had a paper glass on the on, and I've I've been seen carrying plastic. Yes, so you have my commitment now to never use a plastic bottle again, and to bring my beautiful new swell bottle to every future podcast. Maybe not always filled with water. Okay, yes, that's that would be great. Uh, thank you very much, and we'll provide them for your guests moving forward. Well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. So, what's your drink of choice for your swell bottle? Uh, in the daytime, water. In the evening, uh, it's especially in the summer, it's, uh, it's very good for keeping uh, ice-cold rosé. Oh, beautiful. Do you ever put beer in it? Uh, I don't put beer in this one. I put beer in, we have a larger size called the Roma, which actually uh, I take to my local brewery and they fill it up. So that's for, like a growler. Yeah, it's a growler. So how long does beer stay fresh in that? Uh, it can stay cold for like 12 hours in there and it's sealed because it's vacuum insulated. Yeah, it yeah. seals it up. Perfect. So what's your favorite bottle design? Um, well, I, I love the classic. So uh, it's probably 
our teakwood design, which is the uh, infamous uh, uh, wood finish, which was yeah. the first one that ever came out like that. And um, it's actually, not many people know this, but it's each bottle is hand dipped. So each of the individual bottles is unique. Wow. There's not one uh, design that looks Maybe the same. I have chosen that one. But this is we pretty have cool that one. Too. We'll <laughs> leave you that one too. And you can All give right, it to one of your guests. Very good. So, what's the craziest story you've ever heard about a consumer and the swell bottle? Um, so this, this is, um, I'm so glad you asked that because we've just come out of the, uh, end of a sort of brand positioning outside where we mm -hmm. found our purpose and we'll talk more about that. But the story that was so amazing was when we asked, you know, um, customers, some of the customers like, you know, uh, what do they think of when they think of swell? Uh, this actually wasn't one story. This was three stories where, um, yeah, you know, the same people had a similar scenario where they were actually kind of waiting to cross the road and a car came like as if they were going to hit them and ran over their backpack that had their swell inside and essentially like prevented them from being hit because it just hit the swell. And what was even amazing was wow. that the swell was intact after it. Of course was like, it was. Well, of course. Like if, the, if there isn't so like- happened a, to three people? Happened to one. three different people. We talked to different, uh, uh, you know, a lot of different customers about their experience with swell. And so they say like swell literally saved their life. That's and a good it's purpose. Just, that's um, a good brand purpose. Yeah, I think we'll, that, we'll that we could take that one. <laughs> so I want to get to know you a bit better and for our listeners to get get to know you a bit better. You're obviously English. I am. And you graduated from the University of Nottingham. Mm -hmm. What's the mascot there? Is it like Robin Hood or something? They don't, they're they not don't as big mascot. on mascots in the UK yeah, as I they know. are here. But yeah, I'm sure Robin Hood would be the one. The natural you one. Know. So what were you known for there? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. Uh, well, so I studied, I, I studied history and politics at, at Nottingham. So, you know, and I, I've always kind of, had sort of the the art and science side to me. Uh, I was <laughs> I was known for having crazy hair. It was uh, had blonde tips. I was known for having a few piercings, which <laughs> I've thankfully uh, lost since there. Uh, I was known for having a good time and maybe falling asleep on a few occasions. Um, yeah, it was a, it was Typical an eventful, college experience. Yeah, three years. It's a universal it was, experience. It was a great time. I've made some amazing friends and um, loved every minute of it. So your first job out of school? So interestingly, my first job was in a TV production company. Um, and, you know, when I was at Nottingham, I really got into directing plays. I've always loved the theater. I was an actor at oh. high school. Um, and um, what was your favorite role as an actor? I played um, in The Crucible by Arthur Miller. Sure. I was the judge. Oh. Uh, Dan Staff, I think he's called. Uh, that was a great role. Um, but when I got to university, I realized that I was actually better directing than uh, acting or I was, I listened to some feedback. Um, <laughs> so I, I, so I just, uh, directed lots of plays like Streetcar, Desi Streetcar Named Desire, mm -hmm. Vagina Monologues randomly. Yeah, sure. um, and I actually took a play to the Edinburgh Festival. Have you ever been? No, no. So it's the world's biggest yeah. arts fringe festival. Yeah. Yep. And so when I left university, I really was like thinking about, you know, really going for it as a theater director. So one of the things that I did was, you know, got a job at a production company because I thought maybe I'd want to be a director. Mm -hmm. So that was my first job. It was great. I worked on, um, you know, 
sort of documentaries and also uh, I guess what you would now call reality TV shows, like sort of faking it and uh, wife swap. I don't know if either of those <laughs> made made their way over to the US. It's colorful already. I love it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that was my first job. It was great. So you say you're a foodie. I saw that online. So how does that play out in your daily life? Um, we, my, I love to cook. Um, so I, um, you know, I think that, um, I really think about what I eat and what I buy, especially more so now that I'm at Swell and trying to kind of reduce how much plastic we use as much as possible. Um, so, you know, we are, we live in a house just outside New York city in Westchester. We have a huge kitchen and a grill. So, um, you know, I love to kind of, um, uh, make some of my own inventions, but also, you know, my favorite meal to cook is a, a classic English, uh, Sunday roast. If you've ever enjoyed one of those. I haven't. So I need to be invited. Okay. I'll bring my swell bottle. Yes. Fill it with wine. Swell, fill it with wine. Good and we'll wine. have, we'll have, uh, we'll have a roast. That sounds good. That sounds good. <laughs> you worked for Unilever, a major global company for a number of years. You worked for Chobani, which is kind of a reasonably established brand and Tommy John and now swell. So I'd like you to walk back through your career and just give me at each of those companies, what was one leadership lesson that helped you be a better leader in the next company you, you went to? So starting back at Unilever, which was your longest tenure. Yeah, right? you yeah. know, I was at 11 years at Unilever yeah. and- On was, Axe and links, and competing with P&G. And Lynx, competing with P&G, having many conversations about P&G. So it's, it's like, it's great to be here with you because we could talk a long time about yeah, that. About Old but, Spice and Axe and Links. Yeah, yeah, I was in the heart of that. We could talk it was an hour it about was amazing. That. Uh, you guys did a great job with Old Spice and there were many we times- We did, we found, we, like, it took us a while, but we yeah. found our way and then got very yeah, creative. Yeah, that work was, was was really good and and pushed us too in mm -hmm. a good way. But look, Unilever along with PNG is just a tremendous uh, place to really understand marketing and brand. And I learned so much there from some amazing leaders, some of whom you've had on your uh, on your podcast, specifically Fernando, who I kind of briefly um, uh, worked with when I was doing some stuff on Dove. So I think the first lesson I learned was just leadership overall and. Mm -hmm. And you know, Unilever not only in, invested so much in you at such a young age; it was really hard to get onto those programs as right. a graduate right. trainee. Like yeah. it was the, you know, really the top. It was the hardest thing that I ever applied for and got onto. Um, and I just they so they invested so much in me. They taught me all of the the basics of marketing about it being an art and science, about insights, about really connecting with consumers. Mm -hmm. So. I'm forever grateful for that experience. In terms of leadership, that was the, the time where I I was working, you know, in with such a diverse group of people uh, and, and an international group of people that it really um, taught me to listen um, and to kind of um, be open to other opinions um, and kind of reflect on that before I then went with my perspective. So mm -hmm. great experience. Yeah. Chabani was, uh, I mean, that was in many ways all, all about Hamdi, the founder and CEO. I mean, he's an incredibly inspiring visionary leader. Um, and, you know, just to see how he 
founded that company, and, you know, he's an immigrant, and what he did to the, what, you know, the effect that he had, particularly on the community upstate right. in New York, yeah. is was just so inspiring, you know, and, and I think that gave me- Is a, that why you joined? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think, you know, it's just, um, yeah, Chobani, the success story of Chobani, mm -hmm. zero to a billion in, you know, nine years of startup growth, and, you know, creating that category, uh, of Greek yogurt in the US um, and then Hamdi kind of in, and how he sort of step by step just sort of did it was just very inspiring. So like that was the first time, you know, you see someone with that kind of vision and that was great. Uh, Tommy John, very different business, mm -hmm. obviously. And, you know, for me, I was very, it was every move that I've made has been a very conscious move to kind of challenge myself. I'm super curious. I really want to kind of push my own sort of skill set within marketing, but as a skill set as a leader, you know, so I had, you know, the most responsibility, the most autonomy. I was basically the first ever marketeer there. So I built the marketing function. Um, and so that was a, a lesson in, you know, me kind of growing as a leader without having a leader in a way. And so, you know, it was my first ever. So where, I don't want to get down this path too deeply, but where did you start coming into a company that did not have CMO and not did not really have an established marketing function? Where do you start? You start with, well, how I started there is actually similar to how I started at Swell, funnily enough. Not funnily enough, just how I think you should start is I spent a lot of time with the founder mm -hmm. and I went back to the history, you know, the beauty of working at a startup is that you are working with the founder and they tell you all their stories. And it's amazing because we're all storytellers. And often what you find is that they, you know, they always are, they have incredible stories and you realize that so often those stories haven't been told. Uh, you also realize where they're strong and where they need help. And in both cases, you know, they're, they're, they're extremely strong product people, extremely strong salespeople, but they didn't understand brands. So that so part of you coming in is to help educate them on what a brand means, what a purpose means, why it's important, how you can help guide, you know, the understand what that purpose is, unlock it, um, bring that to the employees and then to customers and consumers. And when you're able to unlock that and you can see a company uh, like Tommy John really get behind that, it's amazing. So, you know, I, I kind of just, I always start and go back to the history and then ask why and puts me in a normal, pretty good spot. So who is the person that has most to date that has most influenced your career and outlook on business? Probably two people. Uh, I think my, um, my father is one of them. He he actually has had quite a varied career. He started as a merchant banker in Rothschilds and then moved into the arts world and ran the Halley Orchestra, which is a very famous orchestra in Manchester, and then later on became uh, a business coach. So just, just seeing... Living art and science, right? Right, living art and science, but also, you know, I guess in that generation, a lot of times you're in one job and stay in one sure. job and stay in one profession. And he really moved around. So I think that that... I guess gave me the the confidence to think about how you know I'm s still within marketing, but I've moved into different yeah, very areas. different industries. Yeah. Um, and I think the the second leader that um, inspired me the most 
it's probably some of a few of the people I met at Unilever. I think Fernando is one of them, just to see how he's Fernando Machado, yeah. who's now CMO Burger King. Yeah, and um, I think just to see how his career has sort of you know started from the same place and then gone on to that. You know, someone like David Rubin as well. I, I, I look to those people because I think that that was when I was really learning my craft with them sometimes and seeing how, you know, they go on and continue to take what they learn and apply it and do amazing things at those brands. So what do you think the most interesting thing we should talk about on this episode of the podcast? Uh, with you, Josh. I, I think I like to talk about um, how brands can and should be more sustainable and mm. inspire people to do that. I mean, yeah. it's very close to my heart it's why you took this job. now. It's why one, I took this job. Reason. I think it, you know, in relation to like, you know, what you've written about and done amazing things around in terms of purpose, it fits mm -hmm. really well in that space. And, you know, it's made me think about Purpose 2.0 and what that could be. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, I, I'd, I guess I'd love to share what we've learned so far, what I've learned so far, but also talk to you about it and, mm -hmm. and um, we'll hopefully pass some knowledge on to our, yeah. your listeners. Well, let's let's jump into that, and I want to first unpack this big area of purpose, and I think we'll probably yeah. probably get into sustainability from there. You know, you've worked with, I would say, every company you've worked with had purpose at the core, mm. and uh, and I think Unilever got better and better at that mm -hmm. over the last you know ten twelve years, and you're now with Swell, which one of the one purpose of Swell is to rid the world of plastic, mm. right? So, which is so important and um, and thankfully getting a lot of publicity yeah. now, which yeah. has to be helping. So I'd like to open with a general thought about with your interesting career to date, what have you learned about purpose and brands? You know, you start to get into some of that about in, inside activation, yeah. but just generally, what have you learned that you're bringing to swell yeah. from your body of knowledge? I mean, I, I think at it's at its most fundamental essence, you know, Purpose is about why a brand exists. Why why should it show up in the world? What can it bring above and beyond the product that it sells? And you've written mm -hmm. books about that. But I think, and I learned that at Unilever, and, and I think I learned that at, um, you know on Axe, on Dove, two of the the brands that really like had very strong purposes, very different purposes, mm -hmm. but very strong purposes. And I think Unilever, you know, under Paul with the Sustainable Living Plan. You know, probably start it it, it it talk the talk and then walk the walk. Um, and I think, you know, even now looking fondly on them and seeing some of the strides they're making, it's it's incredible. So um so so that was where I just learned about purpose as a central tenant and construct and a north star uh for any brand and business. I think more recently, I think because, you know. You know, every CMO knows that we, we need to kind of help craft a purpose. Like we've we've moved past that point, and I don't want to say that purpose is being sort of, you know, loosely thrown around. I think people understand it and know that it's it's a journey to get to a purpose. Mm -hmm. But I think that sometimes purpose, for me, when you're thinking about, you know, why, can sometimes stay a little bit too. Um, esoteric and for me what I like to see more what, what I've been doing and thinking about is how do we almost move or evolve from brand purpose and talk about brand soul and what I mean by that 
is if purpose is, you know, why you exist, I think brand soul is, is about the humanity behind the brand. And I've been thinking a lot recently about humanity or in some cases, the lack of humanity. You know, we live in a highly polarized world. Uh, we live in fractious times. We, we have um, platforms and megaphones that allow us very quickly to, to make a comment without even thinking about the implications. And I think there's like a, a, a crisis of or lack of empathy. And, you know, that was something that um, I learned again at Unilever about, you know, the importance of empathy. Um, but I think there's an opportunity for brands to really not just understand their purpose, but understand their soul. Like, how do they make people feel? How do they feel as brands? Like brands are, and again, this is a, you know, what I learned at Unilever and at P&G, they're living and breathing things. They evolve. They're, they're in some ways, they, they express a point of view. They are there because they want to make a positive change to the people they serve. Um, and I think in order for brands to be successful today, whether you're a legacy brand or a new brand, you need to be able to kind of uh, show your soul. You need to show that humanity. You need to show that vulnerability. Uh, not a brand, if it's if it has a soul, isn't perfect. And I think that the the CMOs and the marketeers that understand that, and they understand, really understand, and obsessed by their customers and and who they are, um, can do amazing things. So we're going to talk about swell in a moment, but with that thinking you've been doing, who do you admire now? Who is kind of pushing purpose forward and living what you're talking about? Uh, I, I think I see it probably more in some of the younger brands. And it's probably also because I'm spending more time looking at those. Uh, Everlane is a brand that I really admire. Uh, and I, I, you know, they've started, they started with, uh, they've evolved. They started around, I I only know this from what I've read, uh, but I think they, they started around like, you know, almost a classic D to C cut out the middleman transparency around pricing and they've evolved it to their own sort of take on sustainability about radical transparency and what i love is that they are they live and breathe that in the in for all their employees their offices as well how they show up as a brand and they're consistent about it you know i think a lot we all we, we all as marketers talk about the need to be authentic we absolutely do but for me it's more than just being authentic it's about being consistent with not just what you say but what you do and to show that time and time again and that's really hard and i think Evelyn do it and patagonia probably the other one that that do it really well um you know and they've been obviously on different different paths um and have very different positionings and different people they're serving but you know i i think a lot about it's not enough to be you know authentic you'd really have to show up every day and then talk about what you've done rather than what you're right. going to do. Yeah. And first. I think they they both do that really well. Yeah. We've all been there. You spend millions of dollars each year driving traffic to your company's website and then the results come in and they're just not what you hoped. On top of that, 81% of marketing leaders say website ownership is a challenge. So 
what do you do? Well, you switch to Webflow. Let me tell you why. Webflow's visual-first platform empowers your team to own your company's most valuable dynamic marketing asset, your website. From launching a new site to optimizing for SEO and conversions, Webflow gives you the tools you need to drive business growth fast. Unlock your website's full potential when you build, manage, and host with Webflow. Get started today at webflow.com. I, on a separate podcast, we had Amanda Tolleson of uh, Birchbox, hmm. and I asked her a similar question. She said Everlane, too. Also, yeah. you know. And I have one of their uh, sweatshirts. It's a merino wool hoodie, and it's also a lovely product. Yeah. You know, so I, I love what they believe in, and uh, I think their products are outstanding. So, so now let's talk about Swell. You've been there three months, three ninety half, days, yeah, hundred days. And a half months. Yeah, this is a good time to be talking with yeah. you. <laughs> so, I want you to tell me about how we're going to get to your purpose in a minute. But what have you done in the last? You know, you're onboarding, right? And everyone onboards. Yeah. We, sw- we switch assignments within companies. We go to new companies. So, well, how have you spent the last one hundred days? Yeah, no, I have been onboarding. I think in addition to being onboarding, uh, and Are you this, the first CMO? Uh, they ha- they had a CMO for a very brief period. Okay. But yes, I was the first CMO, okay. and um, you know, Swell also is an incredible business. Visionary fa- uh, visionary founder that created a category, and they had tremendous growth without really doing any marketing. Uh, you know, they had a great product market fit. Um, they created that category. They relied heavily on PR, uh, word of mouth, and social. Mm-hmm. So um, when Sarah, the founder, came to me, she was like, "I've I've saved like nine years of marketing for you." It's <laughs> <I was laughs> like, a good brief. Okay, great. And she's like, "There's not there's not just uh, like you know fruit hanging from the tree. There's fruit on the floor." And I and I think when I reflect on that, I thought, "Well, there's two things that are going on here. One is." It's my first 90 days, so what's important to me, which we talked about, is to go back and into the archives and understand the story and start yep. thinking about the brand, the brand purpose and the positioning that, that I knew we needed to do to further differentiate ourselves. But the second thing about a startup is, is a startup. Like, things do not stop. Things happen very quickly, and you need to hit the ground running. So unlike sometimes in more established businesses where, you know, things are just carrying on for the status quo – you know, you are having to like move quick. And I love that. And I think that that for me was something that, you know, I really enjoyed and from Chibani to Tommy John to now. But, you know, so I knew that I had to do these two things concurrently. One is continue to drive growth on the day to day. And what does that look like? So are there things, whether they be process or, you know, in the case of Swell, just showing up because we hadn't really done anything. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, making sure that we did that. So we just launched a, a summer hydration campaign. We just got out there. It was all about sort of um, chill for the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, very light touch, but just yeah. getting us out and reminding people that we're swell. And this is obviously a key business driving moment for us. So I, it was important that, that we got that going. And at the same time, we've been working on, you know, um, our journey Going back to the story, the founder story, spending time with Sarah, um, speaking to customers, um, doing a lot of uh, stakeholder interviews with employees, um, with retailers to really understand, like, you know, what uh, where Swell has come from, where it is now, and where it could be in the future. 
Um, so yeah, that's been that's been the first ninety days. But uh, you know, as part of that, obviously, we've done you know a lot of research. We've just finished a, a segmentation study. All of the classic sure. areas that you know I wanted to make sure uh, that we delivered on and used more data and became more consumer centric. So that's sort of starting to train that muscle and really think about kind of uh, helping and inspiring the team to to that. So how do you think about purpose at Swell? Because obviously it was founded on a strong purpose. It has a very strong founder who's authentic and sincere. So is it, how do you advance that? Is it a matter of making it more explicit, engaging more people in it, um, activating it in different ways? Yeah. So tell me about how. Yeah, I think. What's the state of purpose at Swell? Right. You know? So the mission has always been there from Sarah. You know, she really is on a mission to eradicate single-use plastic. So in some ways there wasn't there is a north star i think you know for me when speaking to sarah you know i asked the question well you know what business are you in because you're not in the water bottle business like that's what you currently have but you're not in the water bottle business so i think that that was a great question for me and for her and we've used this time to go on that journey together to uh to understand that and you know i think where we got to with the purpose is we we want to bring um, style, innovation, and joy to sustainable living. And that, we're really excited about that. It's the first time I've actually shared that, Jim. So That's it's beautiful. hot this off the press. This is a premiere. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, Thank you for doing but, that. Um, but it, it takes, it encapsulates what Swell is now. You know, this is an incredibly stylish product. Mm-hmm. It's an innovative product. It's highly yeah. performance. Uh, and it brings joy. It uplifts the mind, body, and soul. It's a it's it's a funny thing when you think about it. But you know, nowadays a lot of people walk around with two things every day, and you have them on your desk, Jim. One is a mobile phone, and one is a water bottle. And, and the that, third one's a backpack. And right? the third They're one's a backpack. <laughs> and you know, one is an incredible tool, and can be uh, a source of inspiration. It can also be a dark vortex. And the other one is uh, something that is a constant in your life that provides something that you can't live without in the case, mainly water, sometimes beer. Um, But it's also a moment, uh, and you know, we learned this in our research because when we asked them what it was like when you drank from a swell, they were like, it's actually, gives me a moment to pause. I, uh, I unscrew the bottle, I take a sip of ice cold water, and it just allows me to reflect and take a pause. And I was like, that is amazing, because that is about taking care of yourself. It's about how you can look after yourself and, sus- and being more sustainable. Thinking about sustainable living is actually at its, the very first point is about mindfulness and thinking about what you want to do and how you want to act. And once you've gone on that journey and you decide that you want to live more sustainably, then you can make, you know, then you make choices about how you want to live. And then you inspire other friends, family, communities around you to make a bigger impact. Because that I think that a lot of the challenge with um, sustainability, and there's a difference between sustainable and sustainability, when you think about sustainability, often that can take you into sort of a crunchy granola, dark green. Oh my God, what can I, what impact can I make in the world? It's too big. Uh, it's too big. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
it, we had a lot of really good discussions about that because I wanted to move away from the word sustainability and talk about sustainable and sustainable living because that then anchors it into how can you make positive change in your life every day that doesn't, by the way, mean that you have to like give up everything and remove plastic from your life, which is very hard. And uh, your wife is, is, hard. is trying to do that. And you know it's very hard to live that way, but you can quite easily remove, you know, 50% of the plastic in your life. Like by having a swell bottle and using it every day, on average, you displace 167 bottles every year. An unnamed company yeah. produce 200,000 bottles a minute. You know, the, the, the stats around um, staggering. Are, are really staggering. And, and, you know, that was also another thing for me as I you know, I took some time after I left Tommy John and thought about where I wanted to go next. And what I realized in my career is I'd always been fortunate enough to work on incredible products and incredible brands, purpose-driven brands. But I'd always, at the same time, um, been focusing on more, more, more. more How do I sell more consumption, more consumption? And I, I just had this like moment I'm a father, I have two daughters, they're the most amazing things in my life. And I just had this moment, it's like, I, I'm at a point in my career where I could choose to continue down more, more, more consumption, 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 or I could think about how could I, you know, work on a brand and hopefully leave a legacy and the world in a better place for my children and my grandchildren. And that hit me like I, I wasn't expecting it. I really wasn't expecting it. And so when the opportunity came to work at Swell, and I was like, this is, this is about, you know, selling water bottles. This is not a nonprofit, but it's about how, do, you know, how do I move from the mindset or how do I inspire some consumers and customers to move from that mindset of more, more, more and quantity to almost like quality and quality of life? Like, what could we do to tell stories about how to improve your quality of life, how to inspire you to live, in the case of Swell, a stylish and sustainable life every day. Because historically, sustainability is on one end and style and fashion is on the other. And the beautiful thing about Swell is it's shown that you can do those things together. And that is tremendously powerful. And I believe uh, is, is allows us to elevate the brand overall. And, you know, especially in the, in with competition being in a much more competitive space, you know, I can't see any of our competitors, um, you know, taking that, uh, that purpose and running with it. It also, I would imagine would inspire a great purpose inspires broad innovation. Yeah. And that certainly would inspire an interesting innovation pipeline. Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, I think the, 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 the breakthrough, if you like, for us was, how we thought beyond the bottle. We wanted, we knew we wanted to do it. Uh, and, you know, we are actually about to launch uh, a new innovation, our first outside of the hydration category into food. Um, and, you know, when you, uh, when you talk about uh, bringing style, innovation, and joy to sustainable living, that gives you a tremendous roadmap. But importantly, and I think this is important for a purpose, um, you know, and, and also actually, quite important for startups too is it it gives you a north star and allows you to say no to things because mm -hmm. i think one of the things that uh, i've observed in you know both the startups is like you just 
want to and can do anything. But what that can often do is just spread you so thin and end up sort of, you know, diluting the brand. Um, and there's a definite need and opportunity to kind of bring it back to focus and say, hang on, is what we're doing or what we're making living true, being true to our purpose? Is how our employees are coming to work every day being true to their purpose? And you know, I know you're a big believer in that, and you know, obviously the data proves it too. But um, that is just so refreshing and inspiring to everyone who touches the the company. Well, your purpose sounds really, really um, natural to this company and very inspiring. How do you know it's the right one? And then how do you even start to measure that? Yeah, I, I, we're- You're in the early stages. We're in the early stages. I would love to get your perspective on this too. <laughs> Next podcast. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, look, what I, while I, why I feel good about it is because I've seen uh, some startups, I've seen some companies just sort of get in a room and say, oh, this is really easy. And I'm sure you've seen it too. And like, we can just do it, we'll put it on the wall. It's great. Yeah. Anyone, anyone can write a purpose. But it, but the challenge with that is it's not based on any data. It's not re, uh, rooted in, you know, what's happening for your company, for your consumers, for culture. So I feel good in the sense that we did all that research. And that's what we've been doing over the last, you know, 60 to 90 days. So I think the foundations are solid and um, true to the brand uh, and its history because it needs to reflect that. Um, you know, the other test for me, at least, when I've come up with new purposes is how creatively fertile is it? Um, so, you know, I've been blessed in my career to have worked with some of the best agencies, but also more recently, some of the best freelancers who were at agencies and you know I'm pretty flexible in my approach and that's what's great about being in a startup where you are some ways more constricted in terms of cost so there's people that I speak to and call upon to say hey can you just like have a look at this just do a bit mm -hmm. of torch testing for me creatively is it is it broad enough to inspire you but not so broad to then yeah. know where you want to go so we've also passed that check um, and I think the next test will be as we start to evolve the brand look and feel tone of voice mm -hmm. um, and how we show up in the world where we can kind of uh, measure that and then you know we'll test it to some extent before we move forward so you're coming in and you're you know, building upon the marketing that was there. So as you look out, what are the most critical capabilities that you want to build at Swell to make it world-class in marketing so you can achieve your purpose? Yeah, I mean, and this speaks to the sort of brand strategy that, the, the strategy that we've been developing, you know, obviously one key pillar of that is brand. Um, the other one is, uh, is data. You know, I think we have an we're an omnichannel business, um, and that's also refreshing for me to see how the brand shows up in the world. But we, along with every other brand, can do a much better job of, of collecting that data and using that data to help um, inform us. The third sort of pillar is about um, advocacy, um, and um, you know, I think that. Brands in the 21st century have um, a, an amazing opportunity and also responsibility to kind of stand up for what they believe in and come with a strong point of view. And, you know, we haven't really done that as well. People don't really know what we stand for. People just see a beautiful bottle and know yeah. that it works well. So for me, when I think about um, 
having, um, you know, really connecting deeply with our consumers on a one-to-one and mass level and listening to them and inspiring them and being a source for change for them uh, comes down to being able to like, you know, help them uh, both in terms of the products that we make, but also the content that we serve. So, you know, that, that it, to be world-class at that, you need to be able to do that on a one-on-one level at a mass level, but also with the, you know, your friends, family, society, communities, cities, countries around you. And, you know, for me, when I think about Swell and the potential of Swell, it's not just about um, the bottle. Obviously, the the purpose goes beyond the bottle. But I've, we've also been thinking about kind of what are the barriers to why people are not using reusable bottles every day. And often those barriers are much bigger than any one brand or company. Like we're in New York. New York has the best tap water in the whole world. They spend more money on tap water per capita than almost any other city in the world. Yet, if you are walking around New York with your swell bottle or any other bottle and you run out of water, there's nowhere to fill it. So what do you do? You go to a bodega, you buy a bottle of bo- a bottle, and you decant it into your water. So how do we how do we as marketeers and leaders make positive change? Well, that is a bigger task, but one that I think more and more brands should be doing because it's a it's a you know a, a, something that they can be a driving force for change and and enable, inspire through working with other brands potentially change to happen that can have a disproportionate effect on the love for the brand. So that was a sidetrack on advocacy, but a, a key one. And then the fourth one is people. You know, I really, um, there's two things that drive me every day. One is how can I be the best human? You know, I'm obsessed with being the best. That's really hard. And the second is like creativity. Like I'm a huge believer in creativity, um, not just, you know, with our partners, but in every employee. and. And, you know, that's something that I, I really kind of try to lead by example and inspire my team and listen. And, you know, it's all about people that can help make that happen. We could talk for a long more time, a lot more, and uh, we have to bring this to an end, unfortunately. So I want to uh, continue this offline with oh, yeah, you. Oh, yeah, me too, for sure. And, uh, <laughs> but I want to end this discussion with a bit of a lightning round okay. on the CMO podcast. So what do you read or listen to every day? Uh, the daily, uh, podcast. Me too. Um, and, um, uh, my meditation app. Oh, good for you. Sam Harris. Yeah. Waking up. First thing you do in the morning. Uh, I stretch. Excellent. Breathe. (laughs) Best book you have read lately. Um, I'm reading a book by a futurist called Doug Rushkoff. That's about team human. Uh, it's called Team Human, and it's about how humans and technology can work together in the future. So, highly recommend it. Very compatible with your purpose. Mm-hmm. So, right on. Favorite date with your wife? Uh, a beautiful meal sitting on our deck, looking at the sunset. It's romantic. How about your kids? Favorite date with your kids? Uh, currently, taking them uh taking them swimming there's just nothing better yeah it's amazing to say that yeah they're very young so it's a lot of fun so is there a series series you are watching now on netflix oh this will be a cliche but stranger things yeah yeah i'm uh i'm a i love it 
and I haven't started it yet because I was in Europe and the Middle East when it broke. Yeah. And I'm kind of saving it. It's one of those things where the anticipation is almost better than watching it. I know. It's, it, it's just amazing it's, in every way. And they kind of got to that point where I feel that uh, Mad Men got to, where it's just so dialed in without giving any of away. Yeah, but please like, don't. They've just gone like, whoa. And, and you you look at it as a viewer, but then you look at it as a marketeer and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay. And the other one I was listening to is the uh, watching is the loudest voice. Oh, the uh, one on um, Roger Ailes with Russell Crowe. That's I've kind of avoided that, but I should watch that. Yeah, it's pretty dark, but yeah. very good. Favorite hobby? Uh, I am attempting to be a triathlete, so swimming, cycling, running. Nice. Favorite sport? Uh, currently, cycling. Cycling. Yeah. yeah. So who do you want to hear next on the CMO podcast? Sounds like Everlane, maybe. Everlane would be good. Uh, I think uh, you should probably, yeah, David Rubin, New York Times. I think he was mentioned before. He signed too. up. He signed up? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he'll be great. So uh, last, last question. You work for a big legacy company, and now you're at a really hot startup. What's your advice to a marketer who's at a legacy company and thinking about leaving for a startup? <sighs> Wow, that's a good final question. Um, I, I've always, uh, I think my advice would be um, if you uh, want a challenge, want to push yourself, want to put yourself out of your comfort zone, um, go for it. But what I say to anyone thinking about any job, um, which is such an important time in anyone's life, not just career, is it has to feel right in your gut and in your head. So um, that's that's done well for Check me. Check both of them. The gut and head. And um, yeah. Thank you, Josh. Thanks, Jim. It's been fun. It's been great. And good luck to you. Time. Important Thank purpose, you. right? Yeah. We'll be watching and participating in it. Yeah. How's that? That sounds great. great. I love it. Thanks, Thanks a again. lot. Cheers. That was my conversation with Josh Dean. What I really loved about this one was how Josh started as an actor and realized that kind of wasn't his space, and then he moved into directing. He still loves video, movies, drama, but he transitioned into marketing, and I loved his self-awareness about what he's good at and what he's not good at. I loved his talk about his children and his wife, and I loved how he talked about purpose at Swell. I am really optimistic this company is going to make an impact in the world, and he's certainly inspired by it, and so am I. That's it for this episode of the CMO Podcast. If you found this helpful and entertaining, I would be so grateful if you could share our show with your friends. And I would be super happy if you subscribe so you can be updated as we publish new episodes. And if you really want to help, leave us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. The CMO Podcast is a Gallery Media Group original production.